Some great things to speak to your heart today, so go ahead and get your Bibles and your sermon notes out so that you can take notes. We're um, basing our sermon series out of a book by Mark Batterson called The Grave Robber. And although on the weekends we're not necessarily taking things out of the book, our small groups are uh, definitely doing a much more in-depth study, and I encourage you to get involved in a small group. They're in your calendar, in your bulletin, and so you can get involved anytime. If you haven't come to this point, don't worry about it. Just jump in right now. You can jump in any week, anytime to dive in and learn about that and talk about that. And we've been having some great, great times, even in our small group, as, uh, as, we've been, um, as we've been studying the miracles of Jesus. And so today, instead of looking at one miracle, I want to look at all the miracles of Jesus just quickly and, and focus our attention on miracles. And I'm going to begin with a verse from the book of Psalms and Psalm 77. And I'm going to ask you to get your Bibles out. You might want to highlight this. And, and if you don't have your Bibles with, just take notes and do it when you get home in your Bible study. But I want us to focus on the miracles of God. It says in Psalm 77, verse 11, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. I like that. I will remember your miracles long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. I'm going to remember. I'm going to consider. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to focus on the miracles of God. That's what he's saying in this passage of Scripture. And this is what we're trying to do through this series is to meditate, to think about, to put our mind in a miracle position for God to work. And I don't want it just to be seven weeks of information where we grow and we learn and we get a lot of uh, good information from God's Word inside of us. But I believe that what God wants to do through this teaching isn't just give us information, but give us transformation to change us, to do something that changes us, that, that it's not just something we know, but it's something that's active in our life because there was a purpose for Jesus' miracles. And we just saw that in the video. What was the purpose? We read this our first week, John 20, verse 30. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, that by believing you may have life in his name. I love that. Why did Jesus come? Jesus came as, as God to this earth, and he is going to display all of his power. And so he does these signs, he does these wonders, and he shows, this is who I am. And he did these signs that we might believe, that we might see he is the Messiah. He is the one. He is God who has come to rescue us, and so we would believe in him. And when we believed in him, then we would have life in him. We'd have eternal life. We would have abundant life. That's why he came. What do we learn from the miracles of Jesus? What are some of the, the common things that run through all the miracles? What are some ingredients that we see? And I'd like you to write these four things down. These are common elements in the miracle ministry of Jesus. And the first one is faith. Faith. Faith is an important ingredient in the miracle ministry of Jesus. Jesus only does miracles where there is an element of faith. Where there is no faith, Jesus doesn't do miracles. We see that in his hometown of Nazareth. He has to leave. He has to, he has to go because they don't believe in him. And, and so it doesn't work there. But everywhere else 
where there is faith placed in Jesus. And I'm not just talking about great faith. There were some people, some Gentiles that came to Jesus, and he was amazed by their faith. He goes, you have such great faith. Jesus was genuinely surprised by their level of faith. And then there's other times he does miracles that their faith is so little, it even sounds like a, a little rebuke. Like, why, why do you have such little faith? Well, what's interesting is that it doesn't matter if it's great faith or the size of a mustard seed. When you put that faith in Jesus, miracles are going to happen. When you say, I, I'm going to trust Jesus, I'm going to put my hope in him, I'm going to put my trust in him, large or small, and, and God, if I don't have a lot of faith, increase my faith, but, but God, whatever I've got, I'm putting it in you. You are my only hope. See, a lot of people think they need this great faith, but when you think, I have to have great faith to see a miracle, what you're actually doing is you're putting faith in faith. I'm, I'm going to put faith in my faith that I'll have enough faith to make this happen. Don't put your faith in faith. Put your faith in Jesus. Put your hope in him. Big, small, whatever it is, say, God, I put my hope in you. The next element is that the spiritual is more important than the natural. The spiritual is more important than the natural. Oftentimes, Jesus um, goes and, and, and says, your sins are forgiven before he does a miracle. He says, your sins are forgiven, saying, no, there's salvation. There's something greater here. Yes, I'm going to heal you, but I want to do something even more in your life. In the feeding of the 5,000, as soon as he's done with this amazing miracle, he immediately starts teaching, I'm the bread of life. I'm the one you eat of me. You'll never hunger or thirst ever again. Yes, it's great that your tummies have been filled with bread. I know you were hungry, but there's something so much more here. When he heals the blind man, he, he begins to teach, I am the light of the world. Yes, I can open the eyes of the blind, but I'm here to, to be the light of the world. Every miracle is pointing back to Jesus and who he is. He did signs that they might believe that they might have life. Every miracle God's going to do in your life is to point you back to him. It's to reveal who he is, and he will do that. Another element of uh, the miracle ministry of Jesus is compassion. It's compassion. Jesus hears a person calling out to him, saying, saying, son of David, come and heal me. And he hears it and he goes. Or he, he sees someone who's in pain and he's moved. He's deeply moved. It touches his heart and he goes after. And, and we see that compassion sparks every miracle that Jesus does. It says his heart went out to them. And every miracle, Jesus' compassion flows. And I want to tell you that his compassion still flows today when he sees you in pain. When you call out to him, he is tender towards you. He calls you his beloved. He will care for you. But I want to tell you that the enemy is going to try to tell you that he doesn't care about you, that he doesn't hear you, that your prayers are going unanswered, that, that, that he knows what you're going through, but he doesn't really care. Or maybe you're not worthy, or you've got this sin, or you've got that problem, and so God doesn't care about you. And the enemy is going to come and try to convince you that God is absent from your situation. And I want to tell you that his compassion still flows today. He still sees and his heart goes out. And we're to call on him in humility. And as I said in our prayer time, you cannot find one instance in all of the Gospels where Jesus ever turned anyone away. So don't believe the lie of the enemy. Go and know that you have a Savior that's full of compassion. The next thing we see is that Jesus is the master of the miracle. 
He's in charge. He is the one with the power. He never did the same miracle twice. Well, he did the same miracle twice. He'll heal a bunch of different blind people, but he never did the same way twice. Sometimes he would touch them. Sometimes he wouldn't. He'd wipe maybe some mud in their eye and tell them to go wash. Or One time he touches somebody, and they're healed, and they can see a little bit. And so then they, they have to go and, and, and get touched again by Jesus so they can see perfectly a progressive miracle. And, and so they all happen differently. They're all different because Jesus is in charge. I think if we could figure out, see, if we read the Gospels and he did everything the same way, if he always said the same thing or always touched them the same way, you know what we'd start doing? We'd start doing what Jesus did. Think that if I just say the right thing, then Jesus will answer the prayer. If I do just the right thing, then, then, then God will have to give me the miracle. It does not work that way. When you're saying something to try to get something done, if you're saying, that's like an incantation. That's like witchcraft. Just saying, I'm going to do this and then something has to be done for me. It doesn't work that way. Jesus is in charge and he's going to do his miracles his way. We put our faith in him, not in the formula. And when people would come to him and demand a miracle, when the religious leaders would say, show us a sign, Jesus said, no, absolutely not. It will not happen that way. Jesus is always the master of the miracle. He held the power. Jesus has the power. He never found somebody who was sick that he couldn't heal. He never met a demon he couldn't cast out. He never found a situation that he couldn't transform. Jesus had all of the power. And Jesus has all of the power today. Look at the first miracle, changing the water and the wine. In John chapter 2, the power is, that Jesus had over was quality. He changed the quality of that, that water into wine. He changed everything. He changed the circumstance. He, he, he changed the molecular structure of the wine. He did all of those things. He can fundamentally change any situation. Let me ask you today, what do you need Jesus to come in and fundamentally change in your life? What situation are you facing? What are you going through that you say, Jesus I need you to come and change this situation. I need you to come in and supernaturally change the quality of the situation. And the second miracle, his power is displayed in space, the healing of the official son. In John chapter 4, Jesus says the word in one place and it happens in another. Uh, the official comes to Jesus and says, heal my son, I need you to come and heal my son. Jesus says, it's already done. And he goes home to find his son healed. And that tells me that Jesus knows no limitations. He knows no boundaries. He knows no space. That when we pray today, right now, our prayers go immediately to the hospital room where they're needed. They immediately go to the family that's needed. It can go halfway around the world to a missionary that we're praying for. That we can immediately have our prayers sent where they need to be because God knows no boundaries. He knows no limits. That we can pray, I believe, even into the future. That I can pray for my children and who they'll become and who they will marry and for their families. And I'm sending my prayers off into the future that God will be there meeting them, waiting because God knows no boundaries. Last night, I got to tell you, I was, I was pretty sick last night. And I sent prayers to this morning so that I could stand up and preach. I, I did that because I believe that God sends our prayers ahead of us. Are you facing something this week? Are you facing a meeting that you don't want to have or a person you don't want to see? Send your prayers ahead. God knows no boundaries. He, he knows no time and limit of space. I want to tell you, he has the power to go ahead of you. The third miracle, the healing at the pool of Bethesda. 
we studied last week was the power over time. This man's time was running out. It was just too late for this guy. It was over. And, and yet when we look at God throughout Scripture, Old Testament through New Testament, God's really never late. You go back to the book of Genesis with Abraham and Sarah. Boy, that was, that was way overdue, wasn't it? They had a promise, but that time had passed. It had come and gone. And you know what it says? Is it says that Abraham hoped against hope. He had faith in God that God could fulfill what he promised. That it was never too late. You may think God's late, but he's right on time. We have to hold on to that, that God knows no limits when it comes to time. Put your hope and trust in him and he will show up. This week in our small group, we're going to look at the feeding of the 5,000, which is the greatest miracle Jesus does. That's why it's the greatest miracle. It's because it's the only miracle found in all four Gospels. And here's Jesus taking two loaves, or five loaves and two fish, and he changes them and, and feeds thousands of people with abundance left over. And I've preached on this before, that God takes and he blesses and he breaks and he gives, but I want to tell you today, that's our God who takes what little we have and can do abundant things. He can do so much more than you could ever do with your one little lunch. He can feed the entire world through you. See, God says, put what you have in my hand. He can provide a miracle. Place what you have in God's hands, and he will expand the quantity. Miracle 5 is the walking on water in John chapter 6, and this is where Jesus' power is over natural law. This is actually one of my favorite miracles. Because Jesus sends his disciples out to go across the sea. He's going to go to a quiet place and pray, spend some time alone. And then while the disciples are on the Sea of Galilee, a storm comes up. What that tells us is that while Jesus was praying, he was also watching his disciples. That he saw that they were in need. He saw that they needed to be rescued. And so he went out and he provided a miracle rescue for his disciples. That's a beautiful thing. How many of you need a miracle rescue from God? He's the God that can do it. He can do whatever you need him to do. And the healing of the man born blind in John chapter 9 is a powerful one because it's actually the entire chapter. All of chapter 9 is this uh, story of this man that was born blind that Jesus heals. And it begins by the di- <clears throat> with the disciples, excuse me, with the disciples asking, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? And Jesus says, neither. That's not what this is about. He says, this is done so that the, the, the glory of God will be displayed in, in this man's life. And, and so it shows the, the power over misfortune or, or those unfortunate things that happen in our life. It, it gets back to the core of, of what we believe in Romans 8.28, that everything's going to work together for good. That God is going to take and he's going to redeem those unfortunate, misfortunate things in our life for his glory. That, that, that God's going to take those problems and instead of us walking around and blaming this person or that person or this thing or that thing, he's saying, look, I'm going to give you victory in this battle and it's going to be for my glory. It's going to be to reveal who I am in your life. And so he will give you that victory. He will redeem those bad situations. And the final miracle in the Gospel of John, we have the raising of Lazarus from the dead. In John chapter 11, again, the whole chapter. And Jesus saves his best for last. And in fact, I'm going to save this one to preach 
uh, on Easter Sunday because I'm so excited about this idea. Because today, even though Dwayne Davis is no longer with us, I want to tell you, he's alive with Christ. He's more alive now than he's ever been. And death will never have the final word. Jesus has the power over death. Death will never have the victory in your life. When you know Christ, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. And there is so much in that. There is nothing left to fear because he has the power over death. Jesus has power over everything. He can come and he can rescue you. He is with you today. And, and what I find very frustrating is that since we began this series at the beginning of the year, I don't know if I have ever had more physical challenges than when we started. I mean, I've, I've gone sick before and, and dizzy before, but not like, like what's happened recently in my body. And that's frustrating. But you know what's really frustrating is, is that's not a big deal. We'll get over that. God's going to take care of that. It's what I see happening in so many families and lives. There, there's a lot of people that are sick. There's a lot of people that, that, are, that need a healing touch from God. There are some situations that are far beyond what we would call crisis situations. There are some really, really difficult things that we're facing. I want to talk to you about that. Because the Lord woke me up this week and, and, and just gave me this word. And I shared a little bit on Wednesday night with the people who are here for the small group. And that is, is that the devil, your enemy, who's out to destroy you, to steal, kill, and destroy. He's out to, he's out to destroy you. He is going to try to discourage you every single day of your life. Every day, your enemy is going to try to destroy you. He's going to try to destroy your faith. Faith. He's going to say, look at this, look at that. That's not working. This isn't happening. And he's going to try to take you down. And the, and the Lord woke me up. And this is what the word of the Lord is, is that the devil is a liar. That we walk by faith and not by sight. And he will try to discourage you every single day of your life. Do not be surprised by that. You are in a battle. But just as you are destined for a battle, you are destined for victory. And God tells us in his word clearly, I am with you whenever, wherever, forever, always. If you're laying in bed sick, I'm still with you. I'm still your healer. I'm still your provider. I will raise you up. You are not alone. You don't have to try to handle this on your own. You don't try to have to figure everything out and make something happen. We're not having, well, Jesus and this. No, it's all about Jesus. And so it goes back to where we started in Psalm 77. Focusing our heart, our mind, being transformed by the word, where it says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. I will remember your miracles long ago. I'm not going to look at what the devil is telling me. I'm going to look at what your word says. I'm going to remember that. I'm going to consider all of your works. I'm going to meditate on your mighty deeds. I'm going to remember and consider and meditate, and I'm going to allow that to transform my mind and to think about who you are, that you came, and that you did signs that I might believe, that I might have life in your name. Jesus 
transforms everything. He doesn't just change water into wine. He changes circumstances. He transforms people. And we need Jesus. When we go back to these miracles, they needed Jesus. He is all that we have. I wrote a little bit about this in the Bible blog that's in your bulletin that you can read later, that God is calling us into that intimate relationship with him where it is all about him, that he is all that we need and that we ask him for what we need. And we keep asking him because we persevere in our prayers. We keep calling out to him. We keep believing because it matters and it works. It says in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we could ask or think according to the power at work within us. I want to tell you, you're going to ask God for things, and I believe he's going to do even greater things in your life. You know, we we studied it last week. Pastor Fred preached on it. The the man at the pool of Bethesda, Jesus asked him what he wanted. You know, all he wanted was Jesus to help him get in the water. Jesus says, I've got so much more for you than that. I've got so much more than that. And so we trust in him. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. I want all that God has for me. I don't want to hold back. I don't want to, I don't want to just say, okay, God, I need this. Just give me this. God, I want all that you have for me because I know that you love me and I know that you are compassionate and I know that you hear me when I cry. And God, I know that you will supply all my needs according to your riches and glory. And God, I know that your word is true. And I walk according to your word. Uh, a number of months ago, I was at a board meeting and, and um, there's a, a person that comes to this board meeting that always brings gifts when they come. And, and uh, they live on the West Coast and, and uh, uh, by the ocean, and I hope it's still in here. Yes, good. They brought, uh, they brought everybody baby seashells. I don't know if you can see that. I mean, that is a small seashell. And so I kept it and put it on my desk, and I actually have a picture of it on there just because it's so small. That's a, next to a penny. That's how small this seashell is. <clears throat> and if you look at it, I know you can't. It's, I just took that with my camera, my phone. Sorry, it's not like that good of a picture, but... But if you could see it up close, oh, I hope my bifocals are working today. There we go. There you go. No, it's funny because it is, it's, it's actually quite beautiful and it's very intricate and, and it's, it's amazing. It's like a, you've seen the big seashells, it's just like a little version of that, just beautiful and and I had this on my desk this week, and I came in, and I've been thinking about, God, I just, we need miracles, we need this, we need... And I thought about it, I looked at the seashell, that God knew that there was a itty-bitty, teeny creature that needed a home, that needed protection, that needed some help. And so God created this itty-bitty shell for this creature that we probably couldn't even see if we were walking along the beach. Because God cared that that little creature was taken care of. How much more does God love you? That he's going to take care of you. That he knows exactly what you need. And that if you came to him and asked him, 
He's going to give you all of that and more. God's watching out for you today. Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me? And <clears throat> we're just going to have a, a moment of prayer, and, and uh, we're just going to we're going to listen to a song. We're not going to sing one just yet. We're just going to listen. But just as in all the miracles that we've been studying. Jesus was all that those people had. He was their only hope. I want to tell you today, Jesus is our only hope. And so as we just pray and let the Holy Spirit speak to us through these, uh, through these words in this song, I'm just going to ask you to, to open yourself up to the Lord today. I'll come back up and I'll pray with you, but um, let the words of the song minister to you as we focus on Jesus. In the morning when I rise In the morning when I rise In the morning when I rise Give me Jesus Give me Jesus
Jesus, we need you this morning. I'm just going to ask if, uh, as, I, as I pray here in just a moment, and, and we're going to worship the Lord together and offer ourselves to Jesus, but before that, I want to pray for you. And just with your head bowed and your eyes closed, I'm going to ask uh, anyone this morning that needs a miracle, that needs the power of Jesus at work in their life, transforming a situation, rescuing, healing, delivering, um, maybe you just have something this week that you're facing, maybe you need provision in your life, what, whatever. If you need a miracle, I'm just going to ask you to stand. Just stand right now as we pray. If you need a miracle, just stand up. I know not everyone needs it. I mean, we all need Jesus, I know that. But, but if you need a miracle, just stand up. Lord, you see every, every person here today, God. Lord, we are helpless on our own. We can't do this on our own. We cannot manufacture a miracle, God. And so, Lord, we humbly come to you and... and Lord, we cry out to you. Lord, look upon us. Have compassion upon us, Lord. Do your, show your might and your power. And God, it, it may not be the way that we want it done, but Lord, your ways are higher than our ways. Your ways are better than our ways. God, you want to do more than we could ask or think. And so, Lord, send your miracle touch, God, your miracle power. And when the enemy would come in to discourage us and tell us that it doesn't matter or our faith isn't good enough or there's something wrong, Lord, we will stand on your word. We will remember your miracles. We will consider your mighty deeds. And we will meditate on your word and what you say. Jesus, thank you for not casting us out, but inviting us in. And so, Lord, today we worship you. We offer ourselves to you. Would everybody just stand right now? We're going to worship.